Northern New York Community Podcasts, stories from the heart of our community. Thanks for checking out the Northern New York Community Podcast. I'm your host, Max Del Signor, and joining me today as well as the Executive Director of the Northern New York Community Foundation, Randy Richardson. We have a special edition of the show right here for you. Philanthropy is happening in the North Country every day, and the acts of giving can come in any size, but they are always powerful. The story of Harold and Sally LaHoulier touches on the true meaning of community philanthropy, the values, the lessons, and the importance of giving back. As we listen to their story, I would encourage you to pull out some of the best lessons you can apply to your own form of community philanthropy. Now, Harold and Sally are natives of the North Country, and we're thrilled to have them here and joining us today. So I, I think it would be best to start from the very beginning, and I think one of the most interesting aspects of your story is that you both grew up during the Great Depression era in the North Country. Now, you lived in different communities, but not too far away from each other. What, what do you remember about growing up in the North Country during that era of time? Well, I remember um, uh, back in those days, uh, most people didn't have much, and uh, everybody always helped each other out. And um, it was instilled in me when I, as I was growing up, to always help people uh, the best way you could and I've tried to do that all my life. I've always tried to, to uh, help people. And um, there was, and Harold will tell about all the rationing and. Uh, oh, during the war, mm -hmm. Second World War was really, really something. It put a lot of people behind, as far as earning money and um, having certain foods. And there weren't any new cars. There were uh, tire rationing. There weren't even rubber in those days. They were synthetic. And oil and gas, you had to have coupons for. And had, they put the coupon sticker on your windshield. You didn't pump your gas then. They had an attendance come out, and you could only get a certain amount of gas in the, on that coupon. It was really, <laughs> it's really strange. But as growing up as a kid, uh, I remember getting a quarter for an allowance, and uh, you could, in those days you could get in the movies for about that price. And uh, I said, so every Sunday I used to go to the movies. Now I wasn't far from the Olympic Theater on State Street. I used to go there, and of course we used to go to the old Avon too. And but as far as philanthropy, uh, my my folks uh, helped other people. My grandmother and grandfather helped us because in those days we didn't have very much money. My father wasn't making much. And during the depression, nobody was taking ca taxi cabs and he was a cab driver, so. Um, but it, you gave what you could to other people that were worse off. And uh, I, it's something we, you learn and it stays with you for an awful long time. Now that we're able to be a, a philanthropist, it's really enjoyable, I'll tell you. You shared some good examples from when you were you were kids of some of the things that your parents did or you did together as families. Were there certain messages or things that they would say to you just to kind of emphasize, listen, this is why we need to help families that are in need or help others that maybe are in a, a more challenging situation than we are? We were more in need than people that we knew. We didn't really know that many people uh, as kids, but uh, 
uh, well, growing up and going to school, you could you, you knew which ones that needed help, and uh, you, you you did what you could for them. And of course, in those days, Watertown seemed separated by, like the north side was the poor side and the south side was the rich side, and uh, the, neither two could meet. I I don't know. It was that it was that way in those days. It's like uh, segregation. Tell you remember any any things your parents told you as you were growing up? You know, they obviously demonstrated their own ways of giving back in the community and neighbors helping neighbors, but um, did they ever impart anything to you just to remember as you were getting older? No, um, not that I remember. Um, the family, my father came from a big family and um, all the holidays we would get together at my grandmother's uh, for big family dinners and um, you know I do remember uh, people talking about so-and-so uh, -so, uh, isn't doing that well and um, you know people are helping and things like that but uh, they they never uh, as far as I remember they they didn't say anything specifically but um, I just remember, you know, them talking about helping people when they needed help and uh, to always remember that, but they, they didn't always say it. Yeah. I remember when my, my uncle uh, and his wife had four kids and they were having a hard time make, uh, making go of things and our parents helped them as best they could. And uh, you see, you learn from that. You, you don't give up on your relatives. No. And uh, you don't give up on your friends. Family. If a yeah. friend needed a dollar, you gave him the dollar. But um, in those days, nobody had much money. And the money back then wasn't, it was worth more than it is today, too. Like a quarter was worth a quarter. Today it's worth, what, 10 cents? <laughs> and, uh, but it's, um, it was great. I don't know. I, and then the, when we got to the 50s, that was really great. Well, and that's interesting because my next question was thinking about that next era after World War II was over with. And mm -hmm. something you had mentioned previously was just, I don't know if it was a great relief, but you could just sense the spirits of, of the communities kind of being lifted yeah. up because that era, mm -hmm. that chapter in the country's history had, had well, ended. Well, the economy was picking up real, real good because they had to make stuff that they couldn't make before. And uh, then we had a different president, and we had uh, uh, more jobs and more, we had more factories here at the time. And a lot of people went back to work and work making, making things. There were a lot more manufacturing companies yeah. uh, back uh, then in those days, a lot. The, the 50s were just so much fun to grow up. You didn't have a lot of crime. You didn't have uh, poverty as much as you do today. And uh, everybody just uh, was happy and twiddly dee. Yeah, kind of carefree. <laughs> now, Harold, you graduated from Immaculate Heart Academy, correct? 1950. Yeah. And you entered the Army right away for the Korean War? No, no? I, w I was w went to work for um, Fred Sherman Radio. I worked there after school nights anyway and weekends. And... Uh, uh, I went, uh, after school, I went to work for him for two years, then I got drafted. Okay. And uh, uh, I went to uh, Camp Gordon, it was in, in 
went to radio school for six months, which I really didn't need, but I had to learn their equipment, so that, that really did help. And uh, so I, I fixed radios all the time I was in the Army. Well, what was that education like for you, working early on and then heading into the Army it and was continuing a, that education? Very interesting. I really enjoyed it very much. The only thing I didn't enjoy was basic training. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing hand grenades, shooting 50 caliber guns, and crawling under barbed wire with bullets flying over your head. <laughs> well, what's, what's that? What's that for you psychologically? You know, being a very young in your 20s, early 20s, and it being was, drafted. Well, I'd never been experience? away from home before, and it was, mm -hmm. it was kind of scary. But you, got, you, you, you blended in, and you got used to it, so it really didn't bother you much. And we got lots of time off. Like we could go out nights on a pass or weekends on a pass in the little towns next door. We'd go have pizza and, and pizza. <laughs> 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 and uh, we had a great time. And uh, then they moved everybody from Fort, it was called uh, Camp Garden. We moved us up to Fort Mammoth. And uh, we were there for six months and I got uh, discharged. But they took the whole company, and uh, we drove our own cars up. And uh, of course, I went with friends. I didn't have a car then. And uh, we uh, went, went back into fixing radios right as soon as we got there. So it's, it was like getting up. You get up at Reveille because then you have to form formation. But then you have breakfast. Then you go to work. Come back. Have rev have uh, taps. Go to bed. That's <laughs> really something. It's good that you never lost. Um, there ever was a break, really, in your education or love for radios, and getting a chance to to kind of dabble in that. Where where did that interest originally come from? I don't know. I I could tinker with things and fix them, and I thought radio. Well, let's see. There's only a bunch of tubes in there. Suppose I take the tubes out. We could take them in. I forgot where you could take them. Get them tested and see if they're any good. And you, you replace the bad ones, give them back the radio. <laughs> but a lot of times, uh, if there's a circuit problem, then I, I wasn't too used to that. But tubes, yeah. It was an easier job if it was just the tubes. Same with television. When they first came out, they were all tubes. Glass picture tube. Actually, they started out with a metal picture tube with the high voltage around the metal. on. You couldn't get anywhere near that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with it apart, I mean. Sally, your folks had a furniture store. Mm -hmm. And what it's interesting is the number of locations that they had. I mean, you well, really kind of span the North Country. What, what was it like for your parents having furniture stores across three counties? Well, uh, my father's father started it in uh, Casterland, New York. And um, then um, uh, uh, they eventually moved to Watertown, and they did just have the one store. Uh, the building is still there. Uh, it's the corner of uh, Newell and uh, Mill Street. It's an old and stone building. It looks, it's got a stone front to it. My brother and I used to help them. Um, my, my father <laughs> paid us a penny. <laughs> For each um, button you sewed button. on the mattress. Yeah, yeah well, they had a, a piece of twine with the, attached to the button, and those went in the mattresses. And, and so we got paid a penny for each button that we put the twine through. And so um, we were always 
uh, spent a lot of time at the at the store, and then um, yes, eventually they uh, expanded to other cities in northern New York. It was Watertown, Potsdam, Lowellville, Governor, and Carthage, and that's where I, I spent a lot of time. Uh, but then uh, my father was asked to join uh, in Fackney Instrument, and they made clinical glass thermometers. Uh, during the war, it was a, a big thing. They were awarded all kinds of Army and Navy Excellence Awards. When I graduated from uh, high school, my father was at Fackney's. Um, I went to college for a year and I came back and I went to um, the Watertown School of Commerce for two years. Uh, I was always interested in office work, typing, shorthand, uh, business, and uh, so I, I took the two-year course for accounting at the Watertown School of Commerce. And then I, I was supposed to go for an interview <laughs> at a a place, but my father wanted me to work for him. <laughs> so I, I worked at Fackney's uh, until I was married and well, until I had uh, uh, our first child, Brian. And then I uh, stopped, well, I did some, still did, did some, some homework home, for yeah. them. Um, but uh, that, was, uh, that was my story. <laughs> Um, when, when I was working, I did, uh, well, all the time, I didn't have much money, but um, there would be different local organizations that I would donate to, and uh, they were local ones and uh, ones I believed in. And um, so I, I did used to do that, but um, I didn't have much money then, so it wasn't a lot. But I, uh, I, I did keep it up and I hope I've been a help. Why did you feel compelled to give at that time? I just wanted to. I know some of the animal organizations, I love animals and, and uh, um, I, I like the local, like the local SPCA, the local Salvation Army, the DPAO. Um, I just felt uh, better if if I could help somebody that needed some help. And uh, so I, I, just, uh, I just felt better when I could help somebody. And then when um, uh, we lost our son to a drunk driver and um, uh, he had been past uh, a, a commander of the Sons of Legion for a few years, and they had always wanted to start a scholarship fund for families of Sons of Legion uh, members and family. Uh, when, he, uh, when we lost him, we asked, instead of flowers, if people would like to donate money to help start a scholarship fund for uh, the Sons of Legion family members, and that's how that got started and Brian loved teaching at BOCES and I had always thought highly of BOCES because uh, people were able to learn trades there and uh, uh, they had a lot of very good courses there that I, that I, so we 
started a scholarship fund there to help anybody that wanted to go and didn't have the money to go. It's still going. And, it's still um, going. And at the same time, we received uh, an insurance check from the driver of the car that our son was in when he was killed, and uh, we decided to invest that and take the interest every year and donate it to a local charity. And we picked DPAO because we knew Joe Rich, and um, we knew he's worked hard all his life for them, and uh, we wanted to do that. So every year we take the interest from it and donate it to them. And um, then a little bit later, we were fortunate to meet Randy Richardson of the Northern New York Community Foundation. And uh, Brian's scholarships are now endowed there, so we know they'll go on in perpetuity. And um, Randy always also helped us to realize about uh, local organizations and local funds that uh, would help people and we that's what we I I enjoy anyway mostly doing uh, local helping local people and there's so many people out of work and and so many homeless people that um, and the bridge program uh, urban mission has helped a, a great deal with that and um, I, I donate a, a lot of clothes to them and um, you know, we, we took all of Brian's, uh, Brian had a lot of uh, nice winter jackets and um, we donated those to Urban Mission for people uh, that couldn't afford jackets. So, so that's... Yeah, what is it, what's it, Urban Mission's other name is... Uh, uh, the Bridge Program. No, um, where they buy the stuff from the... Oh, the store. Impossible Dream. Sure. What is it? The Impossible Dream. Impossible Dream. Yeah, that's I right. remember taking clothes into Impossible Dream too, and uh -huh. uh, they were glad to get them. But uh, I don't know. It's always uh, we've always wanted to donate to to people that uh, needed it, uh -huh. and uh, I don't. I'm not one to donate to national organizations, especially the ones that call you on the phone all the time. <laughs> you send them an, uh, uh, some money and next thing you know, you got a letter and they may all want more. So we said, well, I guess they weren't happy with that. So we'll just stick, we'll stick to home. In, in that respect, Harold and Sally, I want to ask you a question related to that. Um, when you give to an organization, you make the decision to give what are your expectations on the part of that organization in terms of what you need to know from them as, as far as whether you would consider giving again or that you felt good about the gift that you gave? Well, we make sure they, they help uh, other people with the money we don't donate to them. And we get uh, information from a certain man that's sitting right there, <laughs> making sure we give to the right ones and ones that we, he knows they're going uh, to uh, use it the right way and uh, not these national organizations that use it for parties and advertising and all this other thing. That's why I don't like to give it to uh, national. And they bombard you in and the mail. And they bombard you in the mail. Tons of on the mail. Phone. phone calls. Yeah. Uh, no, you, you can tell most of the local 
organizations, even by just reading the paper, uh, when they put on different um, fundraiser, a fundraiser, different uh, like they'll. Oh, the Salvation Army puts uh, uh, different breakfasts on for uh, people, and uh, you can see different things that go on. And well, and with the the bridge program, um, we donate to that every year because they're trying to help. Um, we've actually seen uh, results there um, where they they try to help. Um, people with their addictions mm -hmm. and uh, but you I think you can tell pretty much with the local ones when you see different things that they're doing I think you kind of know that they're using your money the way you want them to. How has philanthropy and the way you've given back directly impacted the North Country and how do you feel that giving makes the North Country more vibrant as a whole? I don't know. It makes you feel good for one thing. Uh, it's, and it feels good to be able to do it. And uh, knowing that you're helping other people uh, is really something. Uh, we, uh, we, we've got so many different charities that we donate to, but we've been cutting back on the nationals and, and uh, going more for the local. And, uh, I think uh, keeping the money at home is a lot more important. Of course, there are some national charities that really do uh, use the money the way you'd like, but it's far and few between. Tell them about best friends. Oh, yeah. There is an organization out in Utah. Utah. Best and, Friends uh, Animal Sanctuary. It's got, they have 30,000 acres, and they, have, they take care of all these different kind of animals. They, they rescue them and they uh, find homes for them. They, they have veterinarians there. It's a, we were out there one time on, when we visited friends. It's the most wonderful place I ever saw. And, then, and we donate to them every year, and they don't bug us for money. No. no. Well, and there's clearly a trigger there with the organizations you've helped before. There's something there that inspires you to, to kind of demonstrate your support. What are some of the, the triggers or what are the things that you see that has inspired you to give the way that you have? Well, some that you see the results of what they do, like um, SPCA, uh, they're doing a pretty good job with the animals there. Oh, Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I've always donated mm -hmm. to them I, because I figure they're, they're there to help people mm -hmm. and they sure do do a lot for them. It's a semi-religious thing, but it's they do a lot of work for other people, and that's what I like to see. Who else do we give to that's uh, a lot of local? Lot of, <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, we give to the historical society, trying to keep them afloat. But the library, <laughs> the, the library, we, library. Oh, we donate hundreds of books of crack. Uh, they come up with their truck sometimes to pick them up. <laughs> My wife has quite a collection of them. I think what's, what's interesting too with the two of you is you have, you've always had those values of giving back kind of within you. Mm -hmm. Now that you've been on this journey together for 58 years, mm -hmm. that you've done a lot of this giving together too. And I feel like it's, it seems as if it's more impactful. Yeah. How did the two of you meet? Oh, well. Can you share I, that story? <laughs> 
Yeah, I was in a vending business for about a year. And uh, after my the, the fellow I used to work for, Fred Sharon, died, the business kind of folded. And these other people asked me to work on their um, vending machines, and they sent me to school for it. So I went and did that, and I uh, came back and was working at... Uh, I, they had me delivering the... You had to service machines. There were coffee, strictly coffee machines. They had uh, cream, sugar, and uh, water, and coffee, liquid coffee. They're all in this refrigerated unit. So when you put the money in, the unit would drop a cup of coffee and it'd be all set for you to, to eat or drink. One of, the, one of the places I went, I did a lot of paper mills because they had them in a lot of paper mills. But um, in fact, the instrument was one of them. They had one up in their uh, rec room, and uh, I have to go there every morning to service it because you can't have sour cream in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I'd see her sitting at the front desk. She was, uh, um, nice. she had to greet people, and she was also a secretary there too. So once in a while she'd come up and have a coffee with her while I was there, and then uh, she, uh, kept coming up every time I was there. And I said, oh, well, that's nice. She's oh, she's a cute little girl. <laughs> and uh, she, worked, she volunteered for the church, Holy Family. Mm -hmm. And uh, they wanted her to do a survey on Catholic parishioners and get their feeling about the church. I guess that's what it was about. And she brought along her girlfriend when she came to my house on Winslow Street in Watertown. And I said, Wow, I wonder which one is after me. And I says, I know, it's, <laughs> I know it's one of them. So one day, uh, I I was out front washing my car. You could wash them out in the street in those days, and and she come flying by in her Oldsmobile, <laughs> and I said, Wow, I wonder what she's up to. So I got in my car and took off after her. We wound up on the Black River Road near uh, the old uh, doghouse. Uh, it's a hot dog stand hot dog stand, coffee and stuff. And uh, we got out of the cars and we, we were talking and she says, I, I asked her, says, how would you like to go for coffee? So we went over to the doghouse, had coffee and, and we went from there to the movies and then to dinners and then then to the church, <laughs> the altar. <laughs> we went together for two years. We went together for two that. years. So in those days, you uh, had to do what the church wanted you to do as far as uh, uh, what they call the bands of marriage. Bands yeah. of marriage. That kept you away to, for a while. <laughs> well, we used to go to dinner a lot, though. We did a lot. Of, and we, did, we went out to dinner a lot. We, of course, in those days, um, you had restaurants everywhere, and they were all good too. And so, and we went to the movies a lot. We used to go to the drive-in. I had this car that was an Ash Ambassador Special. It had three different colors. <laughs> it had Continental on the back. Well, we go to the drive-in, and the seats folded back into like a, all flat all across. So we'd sit in the back seat looking at the movies. We'd pick, bring our own popcorn and soda. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sally, are all these stories true? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to confirm those no, for, yes. for the record. Oh, yeah, we yeah. had a lot of fun. Well, of course, in those days, we didn't, we didn't drink much, did we? No. I don't think we were, of I, course, I we were never, in our 20s. 
I never did yeah. much. But one thing you noted, though, in that era of time, and there are a few of them today, are the family restaurants, you know, yes. local institutions run by yeah, local families. Yeah, Gorgeous was one of them. That was a terrific movie, or a restaurant. We went to a lot of places together, and then we went with friends. We had a lot of friends in the 50s, and we, uh, we all used to hang out together sometimes. And uh, one couple, we went to Messina to see the Eisenhower Lock up there. It was built during our 50, in the 50s when we were going together. So, yeah, we got married in 58. Well, it was 58, uh -huh. yeah. And uh, it was quite a time, I'll tell you. I love the 50s. The 60s has started going downhill. <laughs> <laughs> well, during the period of time after you were married, you worked together at Cole TV. Yeah, she so did. So where, where she, was the shop located? Well, um, it started on 451 Arsenal Street, and uh, it's still there, that old brick building on the corner of Meadow and Arsenal. We were in the store on the left-hand side. We were only there a year, and I, I wasn't making the money much to pay the rent, so we put the shop in our cellar in on Myrtle Avenue. We had a house there that we bought from her father, and uh, so we had the shop in there. I'd work seven days a week, nights and everything down there, fixing radios. Oh, fixing, yeah, TVs, fixing televisions mostly. Too. Yeah, we used to get televisions from her first father's furniture store. They bring it, bring them down from Governor and all over the, to be fixed. We had a side door on the driveway and bring them downstairs, fix them. The neighbors complained about the business being in the house, so we had to move it. So I went to Glen Park with it, and I had it for what, two or three years there. And um, Neil Butler had a furniture store on State Street. And I used to f fix his televisions because he was selling them too. And uh, one day he come to me, came to me and he said, uh, he says, you know, he says, I, I want to go out of business and uh, retire. And he says, how would you like to buy my building? So I bought his building. I got a good deal on it. And uh, I had it for 19 years, I think. And, uh, and finally, uh, I got tired of the business. <laughs> I got burned out, really. And I retired and uh, rented it out. I made more money renting it out than I made in the business. <laughs> well, that was when all the big box stores came yeah, in. Yeah, the, the, the competition was, hard competing, was tough. Uh, Even competing with just repairmen, there were so many of them around. And uh, but the sales, it just didn't make sense anymore. So. Elaborate on that a little bit for the younger audience that may not understand the, the, the era of time. When, when customers or business would come and approach you, how, how did you market yourself? How, how did those well, folks come to get their items or their TVs and radios fixed by you? Well, they'd come in the door. Uh, we, did, uh, we did some advertising, uh, Yellow Pages. and Newspaper. Uh, oh, newspaper. And I remember, uh, what was his name that, that used to be on the radio? He came into the store. And, we would do a commercial with him. Um, oh, he lived on Flower Avenue West. Ward Hamilton. Ward Hamilton. Ward Hamilton? Yeah, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Ward Hamilton. Was it? Was it? Oh. No. Uh, it's like Danny Burgess, only the other guy. Well, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we did advertising to get people all, and uh, on uh, two weeks before Christmas every year we had a, truckload sale out in front 
we put a whole big one of these uh, Young's trucking truck right in front with the doors open, a whole bunch of boxes in there. And uh, of course, they're all empty, but <laughs> we couldn't have people steal them. And we sell, uh, we sell the most TVs we ever sell on the, in those two weeks. So it's kind of like your version of Black Friday. Yeah. <laughs> or what it is today, I guess. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. We started something, I think, because then other people started having truck sales. And, and that, so after a while, we quit having them because they, they weren't doing that well anymore. And the business was just getting tired, I guess. And so was I. <laughs> And, uh, How was it different, too, because I would imagine a lot of local businesses saw that same kind of change where larger companies are coming in, they're moving into the plazas, or Arsenal Street began, began yeah, to develop. discount stores were starting up, and uh, uh, they could sell them for less than I could. Mm -hmm. But, they, of course, they didn't have free service for the first 90 days either. Right. Yeah. Um, we... Uh, we took good, we took real good care of our customers, though, because they come back with their sons and daughters to buy them on, or relatives come buy TV. He was they, surprised. One of them was Abby Hoffman, yeah, who, who was here as Barry Freed in those days. Yeah. And his girl, uh, her his girlfriend, Kate Lawrenceville or Lawrence Joanna Lawrence. She came in the store one day and wanted to, she picked out a television, and I. I Delivered it to find you. Of course, they had to go way down these stairs toward the water when that thing was heavy. Oh man! And we we sat there uh, waiting for her to come back. She was supposed to come back to pay us, and we didn't. I wasn't going to leave it without getting paid, but I had to. I, I couldn't get it back up those stairs. <laughs> and we were sitting there having a beer with, with Barry Freed. <laughs> After we left, I said, you know, that guy looks familiar. <laughs> Seen him somewhere before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was a nice guy, really. We, we had a great talk. We had a good time with him. Yeah. Jumping back to, or I should say really jumping ahead to today, and given the, the, the way in which you've given to local organizations or to um, causes that you believe in, what would you say to someone who has interest in giving back, but they really haven't done it before. They haven't demonstrated that. And they're having a tough time getting past that hurdle and doing something on their own. What, what would you say to encourage that person to well, get them to give back? To talk to Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually start small and uh, pick, pick the people that you know that uh, you like and uh, have heard about what they do. Go see them. See what, they, what their needs are and uh, volunteer the money then. Sally, have you and Harold done that before? Gone to visit the agent, agency to, directly uh, just to say, is there anything in particular we could help with? Well, we've been to just about all of them, but we didn't talk money with them. No. SBCA, we, we picked up a cat there one time or two, and uh, oh, the Historical Society. We, urban Mission. Urban Mission, we really like Urban Mission. Uh, and we like the bridge program with the Sam. Is it Sal? Sal. Yeah, Sal. He's uh, a great Sal. guy. Sal. But he's leaving, and um, they're going to have a one more vic They call it victims panel yeah. uh, in November, and uh, we're going to go to that because uh, okay. it'll be his last one. Yeah, it's, it's great to donate to a, comp a, a place like that that you know is really helping people. 
and it might get them started on their own someday. And we help donations. with the uh, run for recovery every year too. We yeah, help we donate to that. that. We help sponsor. We're one of the it. big sponsors for it. What is what is that experience with the bridge program? That component of the urban mission meant to the two of you? Great. Really great because our son was killed by a drunk driver and we know that they want to prevent as many as they can from doing the same thing, but they also it, uh, help the, the people that already in, have had the accidents to see the see their ways and, stay, and change, and a lot of them, uh, they get up and speak before you and you know, you know very well that they've been helped a lot. We try to tell what it's been like uh, when it happened. Mm -hmm. And um, I know the last time that I talked there, um, I didn't tell the whole story uh, of an episode and I, I, I feel I should have. I didn't know if it might help somebody, but at the same time when I was talking, I. I don't know, I guess I felt it, it might not be appropriate, but um, there was a, uh, an accident uh, on a Super Bowl weekend, and it was just down the road from our home, and a um, car crashed into, the, into a tree and killed the man that was in it, and they think he had been out celebrating, and uh, the next day we walked, or we rode by, and uh, we saw family members there sorting through all the debris uh, on the his. ground, trying to find it's things that had belonged to. It's the same thing we did the, when we went to Brian's scene, uh, his accident scene. And we had done that, and yeah. I found his uh, American Legion card and other mementos. But at that one accident, we found out the man had been decapitated, and I I didn't I didn't say that at uh, the victims panel, and I don't know. The more I think about it, I kind of wish I had a because maybe it, that would have more of an impact on somebody. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. But I thought, you know, if I speak again, maybe I'd... We went to our son's crash scene, too. <laughs> Chicken wings all over, because they were going to a party, and they went out of the, outside, the, they flew out of the car with him. He was holding them. And there's chicken wings all over the place. And some of, uh, in the, his, so you said, what card was it? Oh, his, his Legion card. Legion and, card. Um, other th uh, things I can't remember if it was yeah, his I'll tell you that was tough wallet. and and also we heard that um, uh, the Brownville Fire Department tried to help but their uh, first responders had had tried worked a long time on our son and so every year I donate to the first responders because I always felt Brownville Fire Department and to the Brownville Fire Department uh, but also to the first responders because they they did try awfully hard Kay. to Glen Park Fire Department <laughs> Smithville Fire Department Cape Vincent Fire Department did I miss one 
No, <laughs> I don't think so. Are they all the ones that are, uh, well, actually the Smithville is. Um, yeah, tell him your story there. Oh. He, he, he won some money I was there. there. We, we used to go there with our daughter. They, they have this drawing and you, you have a chance to win $10,000. And each ticket was uh, it cost a hundred dollars, and uh, so I picked a ticket and I won a hundred dollars the first time I was there. But then I kept, I didn't go back too much. Uh, our daughter took our, uh, put the money in for our number. And one time she called me up on the phone. She says, uh, "Well, I got something here for you." He says, "She says I think you won something." She brings over a bag of money, ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I won. Oh, wow. First time I ever won anything in my <laughs> life. So we sent 500 back to the fire department from it. And they were shocked because they said nobody that had won their raffle uh, ever sent, yeah, sent them back money anybody. back so to So now them every year we send them $500. <laughs> They're getting their money back one way or another. How, how does the, the loss of a loved one, how did that impact the way you give? Well, it changed our lives forever. Uh, we, we just uh, you don't do the happy things he used to do all the time. It, it used, and he used to fix everything in the house. He could do anything. And we miss that a lot. And of course, miss him being there. And uh, uh, he, uh, he was just a great guy. He, he could do plumbing, heating, electrical, he does, uh, anything you want automotive, anything. Handy, always oh, he ever handy. Huh? So we. Oh, we we had that. to start but hiring people. To the fact that somebody could watch the house when we're not there. Yeah. And during the, uh, Ver what was it? The ice, ice storm. Of, storm that was it 98? He, he, oh. he was there alone because we were in Florida that, with my that, mother. That, that went on for a long time before he got electricity back. He'd borrow a generator. they use it part-time and give it back to him. It's, I think it was our nephew, wasn't it? Yeah. And it, to just to keep the refrigerators and going and the heat going, and uh, they he'd come I, he'd come back and pick it up, take it to his house, do the same thing. So they were <laughs> trading the this generator back and forth to keep the house from freezing and uh, everything in the refrigerator. But we got home and the stuff in the refrigerator wasn't too good. <laughs> well, it wasn't only that he went around to all the. Country oh, roads, collecting things and that fell he'd off see the downed telephone poles, and he'd collect uh, insulators. the insulators off all the poles. What are the collections? Well, we insulators? came home, we could hardly get in the front door because the floors were covered with these insulators. <laughs> um, but that, he enjoyed that. We still have the insulators. Not all of them. I called Nimo and had him come get some of them. <laughs> well, it was Nimo then. Yeah. Well, he had big, one of those His, big He had a transformer that came off a pole. They wanted that back. Probably couldn't <laughs> hang on to that at the house. Oh, I don't know how he got it. He, has a, he had a little workshop across the road, and I said, I wonder, he showed it to me one time. I said, well, how did you get that in there? It must weigh 500 pounds. He says, like this, he points to his head. <laughs> I says, well, yeah, we, we didn't want it in there because it was full of that, that oil and everything. And we called um, NIMO and they came and they had a dumpster to put all the other stuff in there. There was so much stuff that he collected. And they took that and they picked up the transformer themselves and put it in the back of a truck and took it. But uh, it was, all that stuff was going to another foreign country because 
they weren't going to reuse it. Yeah. There's a theme that comes out when I listen to you, and I also know from knowing you personally that family has always been a very important part of your life. Yes. Family celebrations, time mm -hmm. together with family. How much do you view and in what ways do you view the things that you do now philanthropically and giving back as an extension of either your family or as a way to honor their legacy? And where do you see that going well, when you're no longer here? Well, we used to have, we used to throw a lot of parties at our house for people and they'd come and we'd enjoy every, the, I used to have a big game room on the back of the house. Well, it's still there, but it's full of other stuff. And we had shuffleboard, draft beer, jukebox, the family and friends would all come over and just like having a bar, we'd play shuffleboard and enjoy ourselves. But a lot of times we'd have parties outdoors uh, for different uh, events like um, uh, Your graduation. Graduation. We had a big graduation party, and uh, we had uh, uh, Labor Day, July Four. All these times, all these holidays, we had parties, friends, neighbors, and um, relatives. And we'd all get together and have a great time. And we still get together. We uh, still get together a little our, bit for for uh, holidays. You know, it, it, I mean, if we see there's something that we can do to help other families keep together and uh, get together, we we uh, try to do what we can to help them do that because I think family is important. Uh, I've seen some families um, where they don't treat the children right mm -hmm. and things are... Um, aren't that good it. so uh, if if we can do anything to help families um, uh, get along better you know we we do what we could to help how do we make sure that the people listening to this whether they be high school students or college students or whomever how do we ensure that they follow your lead that they continue to do the things that you have found a way to do what would you say to them? If they were in this room today, what would you say well, to them? Well, things are much different than they were then. They, aren't, they have to be, uh, it, must, it has to be handed down somehow. How because, do we do that? Hmm? How do we do that? Well, have experience. Uh, their parents have this, you know, experience and show them how the, the, their quality of life should, if, uh, should help their children have the same quality of life. But uh, nowadays they don't do that. Uh, they, they just let the kids run on their own. There's hardly any discipline. That's another thing that we were disciplined when we were, when we screwed up. Right. And uh, they don't they didn't bash your head or anything, but they uh, tell you uh, what you weren't going to do the next day that you wanted to do, or they took your allowance away for a week or something like that. But you don't hit them. And uh, what would you what would you want those people to learn from what you've done? It's become part of your life to help others. Yeah. What would you say to these young folks that what's meant to you, how it's changed your life? Well, Boy. I don't know. I, we we feel very uh, very happy in our shoes. I do have family that. I think they were not 
brought up the best way. I think they were, give me what I can get. I have seen a lot of that firsthand. And, and I know it goes back to the, the, parent, um, the mother. In one instance, it's the mother, but sometimes it's the parents uh, that don't seem to care what happens with their children. I just think it's important to show people that family is very important. You can usually rely on your family. Yeah. Show them love and respect and, too. And, and uh, discipline them. Uh, the ones I'm thinking of were not disciplined well. And, That's the trouble uh, today. So if, you know, if if we could if we could tell them, um, you know. Um, when you have a family of your own, show them love, respect, uh, discipline, and uh, to, to help other people when you see they need help. Don't right. just walk by. I've seen videos uh, uh, where somebody will fall down and people just walk over them and don't pay any attention and uh, don't even try to help them. I, I don't understand that. If I see somebody uh, right. struggling or trying to yeah. uh, do something and they're having problems, I, I would jump out and help them. I remember when I was a kid helping an old lady cross the street. This was in the wintertime and she was out shopping and uh, I wanted to make sure she got across the street all right. Mm -hmm. I, I must have been about 12, 13 at the time. Yeah, I said, you know, this poor old lady, someday I'm going to be her, her age, and I might need her help too. And, and I just felt sorry for her. She didn't have anybody with her, and I helped her across. You can't ignore people no. if they're in trouble. You just can't do that. And on the way over here today, there was a girl on a bicycle. Yeah. And she was trying to get through traffic, and... Um, this nobody one car, uh, nobody would uh, help her, and we were back too far to be able to help her, but this one car, uh, she finally got up to the curb where she could turn right, and as she was turning right, this one car um, went through the light and started to turn her way, and she came awful close to getting hit. The car just went on its way. Uh, but you see an awful lot of that now. We people see a lot don't of people care. going through red lights because they don't care. No, they don't care. And uh, we see it all the time oh, going to Cape Vincent, especially through Shamal oh, um, and Point Peninsula. <laughs> they will, they, they, they do come not off believe Point in... Peninsula, they don't believe in stopping. No, no. and, no. and um, you're taking your life in your hands when you get in that area, but it seems to be... Everywhere I've seen it happen now. a lot. More and more. Yeah. But, um, but people just don't have any feeling for other people No, anymore. they don't seem they're, to. They're a lot colder. They're not warm like back in the day uh, where people cared about other people. But it seems like today they don't care about anybody else but themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah, they're very selfish, rude. We've seen a lot... Well, in thinking about the future of the area, you know, philanthropy has really played an integral part in the development and growth of our communities over time. You know, all the areas that you've touched on really in our conversation.
how important is philanthropy and its place in the community? How important is it to the future of the North Country? I think it's very important. Yes, because I too. you can't a lot of uh, like things they want to start up. You can't just go out and get money off the street. Somebody's got to help you. Fundraisers are fine, but sometimes you don't get enough for uh, for what you need. And the philanthropy can help you there. Uh, but uh, I, I think that's one of the best things in this country is philanthropy. And mm -hmm. there is a lot of it in this area. Because I, I know of a lot of people that are philanthropists here. Mm -hmm. They've helped build hospitals and libraries and everything. And that word sometimes scares people, that word philanthropist. It sounds like you have to be you know, a Carnegie or a Rockefeller to be able to. Can you talk a little bit about philanthropy in terms of in its most pure form, basically the way you've lived your life. I mean, philanthropy, in other words, your interpretation of that, what, is that, well, what does the word mean to you? When I was, when I was working, um, I mean, I could only donate small amounts, but I felt I was helping. Back in those days, it was probably considered uh, a fair amount, <laughs> but um, you know, I, anything I could, uh, I, I just felt better when I donated, uh, even though it wasn't yeah. much. So yeah. um, I remember we started out in church donating to, to mm -hmm. the church, and uh, then, uh, then we donated to the March of Dimes, mm -hmm. and we donated to um, United um, Way and United, different Yeah, ones. well, I don't anymore. But no, <laughs> we did, and we and, uh, gave to. Um, Salvation Army, mm -hmm. and especially the drum, the kettles. Oh, we do that yeah. all the time. I pull out a bunch of money and put it every time. Every store I went to, I had them out there. But we sent them a check too. But I just like to keep those people mm -hmm. happy. And I don't like to hear people complain about their uh, bell. Uh, the bell or whatever. A lot I of mean, stores won't want them out front. But these people are standing out there in the freezing cold trying to raise a little bit of money. They're and, uh, helping people that need help, so that's, yeah. that's what I like. You've been doing giving for a long time, and then you know, recently discovered the Community Foundation a little more and got to know us a little more, and we, you. Where has that fit in your philanthropy, and how has that helped you Oh, my both? gosh, tremendously. <laughs> Our son's scholarships were just sitting in a bank earning nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, we kept after our daughter because she, she was, she uh, was taking, in her she, uh, it, she was in charge of it. And um, just trying to get her to, um, you know, do something with it and try to, to get it to the community foundation where it would be in perpetuity. Uh, it was a chore, but we did finally uh, get it there, and uh, it, it it just makes me feel great that I know it's always going to be there, and all will always help somebody. Um, both the the scholarships and uh, and and to me, it's helped with a lot of the other organizations uh, to know which ones need more help. Um, you know, where we can help the best. 
I, yeah. I think it's been like, very important. We like animal rescue uh, people. Yeah. Because I don't. We just love animals. And of course, then we do the ones that like people. <laughs> yeah. We give them more. <laughs> oh yeah. It's it's been quite an uh, experience in our lives to be able to do what we're doing. Oh yes. Because you know, we started with scratch and now we're pretty good. How how important it is is it to you to know that the things that you care about now can be that can go on when you're not able to do it yourselves. It's a great relief to me. What's that? A, a great relief to know that Brian's scholarships will oh, be carried yes. on. There's more organization to it. And the other things that you really care about can and, still be supported. It makes money for itself and it's, it can, it's being supported by the, uh, other uh, income from it. Uh, so we're able to give scholarships out to more people this way. Help more people. Yeah. I always ask this question of all the folks that we've talked to and I think it's important and don't be humble when I ask this question, but both of you answer this individually. How do you want to be remembered? Do I need to be remembered? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I... Okay, let, let me ask a different question then. If I was to ask you to fill in this, the blank of this question, three words. Sally LaHolier is, Harold is these three things. How would you answer that question about yourself? In three words? <laughs> Take your time. Um, <laughs> well, giving, friendly, helping, loving, loving, considerate. Well, I'd say that's how you want to be remembered. And I Respectful. Think yeah. Well, your story is a perfect example of how anyone with the heart to give can make a difference in any community. And we hope the listeners can take away a lesson or two from what you shared and apply it to their lives. So Harold and Sally, we appreciate your time and your story and being on the podcast with us. Northern New York Community Podcasts, stories from the heart of our community.